Why can't they see my point of view? Coming from a team, Ooh, Mr. Nate, and okay. whenever you, I, I mean, I was trying to talk like a teenager. Kind of sounded like one. A little bit. Whenever you have a why question, it is often with that tone yeah. of voice. There's often, it's often packing some angst and some frustration. Yeah, a lot, a lot of frustration. That that actually makes me think of a really tough experience that I got to have as a dad. Oh, I thought you were going to say teenager. No, no, it was it was as a as a dad. It was wasn't exactly a why question, but it was packed with angst and it was dripping with a why, an implicit why. So, do you mind if I share? I I really don't <laughs> think I have any other option. Well, you do. No, you I obviously do. But no, let's hear it. Okay, so is this a golf story? It is a it's a golf story. So uh, you know, my son ended up playing college golf, but. As he was growing up, he competed in a lot of different tournaments, and the, his biggest struggle was like his emotions, managing his emotions while he was out on the course. Was he a club thrower? Um, not so much a club thrower, but he'd get really ticked at himself. You know, every once in a while, he, he would he throw had a club. Fi- he, had a, he had an inside fire. Yeah, he definitely had a fire. Um, but his fire kind of came, I, I thought I understood that, but I obviously didn't, as the story will show. So we're at the um, U.S. Kids Golf World Championships in Pinehurst in North Carolina, and we're playing a practice round. And so I'm caddying for him. And, you know, he started off, had a, had a good round going, but he was getting a little frustrated. It wasn't, wasn't hitting the ball as well as he wanted to. We get on to the 13th hole. He hits a good drive, but then just messes up his approach shot, and he really that sounds like me actually. <laughs> it's like the story of golf. <laughs> that's that's what separates the good ones from the anyway. Messes up his approach shot, and he gets really down on himself. So you know, me being the the great dad that I am, I get down on him for getting down on himself, and so he gets he gets a little bit heated about that, and. It ends up with him yelling at me in the middle of the 13th fairway. I just want you to be proud of me. Ooh. Like the, 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 the why, the implied why there is, why can't you just be proud of me? Did you just like and sink into well, the grass? It was, uh, I wanted to sink into the grass. Like I wanted to hit the pause button on life and like reevaluate all my decisions as a dad and <laughs> everything I've ever done. It was really, really tough. Like that was a that was a hard experience for me to go through, uh, and it that changed was, a lot of things about how I think. Ooh, that's like taking a seven iron to the it forehead. Was, he may as well have. Like it was really like I thought I was you know a pretty good sports dad, and you know I coached. I'm like yeah I got this figured out. I know what he's going through, and and uh, yeah he hit me with Matt. I, I just want you to be proud of me. All I want is for you to be proud of me. And boy. This, this gives us something really, really good to examine. This, in this second episode of a trilogy, three episodes of, of a series that we're calling Transforming Your Stress. Yeah. Last time, what did we talk about last time? What was the first episode in the trilogy? <laughs> well, last time we got into the idea of managing our emotions as parents and how we model that for them. Because ultimately, that's what they need to see from us in, in transforming their stress is they need to see us do a good job of transforming our stress. Because if they can see that, we're, we're giving them a good shot. 
So in this, this episode, we are going to be talking about seeing things from their perspective. Yeah. Seeing their perspective. Let's go back to the 13th pharaoh. <laughs> Do we have to? <laughs> yes, we that have was a, to. That was a traumatic experience for me. I, well, I thought I was seeing things from his perspective. And I think that's, I'm not alone in that. I've, that's one of the most common mistakes we make as parents is we think we're seeing things from their perspective and we're not. Gosh, that moment was so huge for me, though, because it really changed. It was the slap in the face I needed to realize I needed to up my game as a dad. But at the same time as I was, I was coaching as well. And so it, I realized not only do I need to up my game as a dad, I need to up my game as a coach and really try to do a better job of seeing things from my player's perspective and that is honestly what started me on all these 400 books that you like to tease me about. And in going down that rabbit hole was because my son called me out and basically said, why can't you just be proud of me? And so many things that I've learned have come from that, that one moment. But I was making that big mistake that most parents make. And I, was, I thought I was seeing it from his perspective, and I was not. I thought he wanted the same thing that I wanted. I thought he wanted to you know, go on and be a scholarship athlete and be the best. And so he was getting him mad at himself. And I thought I was doing a good job and getting on him for getting on himself. And that was not what he needed for me. That was not his perspective. Wow. Tough. In retrospect, a great <laughs> learning experience. Very, very great learning experience. This reminds me of a conversation I had with a younger, mm, younger yep. dad. He's, this age is, uh, this dates me because he's around 40 and he's one of my former players. <laughs> but I ran into him at the gym the other day and we were talking about his son who's in third grade and he's coaching his team. Yep. And he just starts, the dad, my former player, just starts unloading <laughs> and basically what's happening is he's, he's, this is his first team and it's a, it's a competitive team. And my former player is struggling as a dad and as a coach because he's the assistant coach and the head coach is all gung-ho on, he's all in on winning mm. and we've got to get these guys ready for whatever the next level is at third grade. I, mean, I have a great analogy for, for that, we're by getting the way, ready if you want to hear it. Fourth, fourth grade. And basically our conversation came down to is my perspective is different from the other coaches. Mm -hmm. And my, how, do, how do I explain all of this to my third grade son who was wondering why in in their first game when they were losing by 25 that he he didn't get a play at all in the second half and he was really confused by it he didn't understand it and anyway there's some i mean there's some complex issues there that yeah. would have to be unraveled and addressed but you were saying you have a well there's here here's the fun thing about that if you're, if you're using that analogy for, hey, we got to get them ready for like real competitive ball when they're trying to win, would you ever deprive a two-year-old of nap time in an effort to make them ready for their, <laughs> their grade school experience where they have to be on all day? Like that, that's how little sense that makes. It's like you don't deprive the two-year-old of a nap because they need the nap. You don't deprive a third grader of the experience of just playing ball for fun 
in an effort to get them competitive for later on. Like you don't have to do it. And it's it, to this point of the perspective, we're losing the perspective of what, what really matters to that kid. What really matters to that kid in third grade? He doesn't care. They, yeah, winning's fun and they like, and some kids are really are competitive, but at the end of the day, developmentally especially, they just need to play. They have the interactions, play the games and have fun. I do think this is why there's an epidemic of kids quitting sports earlier than yeah. ever before. Yep. And possibly other performance activities too because of this. Uh, the specialization and the overemphasis on the winning, the scholarships, the rewards that come with sports. Yes. So is this a case of parents thinking that they know best? They know best and where their kids are is where they were? Well, one of the things we think, like we look at, we look back at our teen years. Brene Brown has some really funny stuff on this. She actually talks a lot about how we, we tell ourselves stories about when we were teens, but we tell the PG, PG-13 versions rather than the R and X versions that they actually were. We forget how hard it was to actually be in that situation. And so we often think we know what they're going through when the reality is we have no idea what they're going through. We think we've been where they are, but where they are is very different than where we were. And that's, this is the, it's such an easy trap to fall into as a parent. I know best, you know, I, I screwed, I made all the mistakes when I was a kid, but we didn't make them for the same reasons. We didn't experience life the way they've experienced life. And there's, there's enough difference there that their perspective is unique to them. And if we don't honor it, we're missing the boat big time. So we're talking about transforming your stress. Yep. Model, modeling this correctly for our teen athletes and performers. And you are just talking. You're, so you're saying that things are, things are different? Yes and no. Because I, I hear this all the time. Oh, this, it's, this is a different world for these kids. And on one hand, I'm saying, oh, yeah, right. it's definitely. Totally and different. And then, then I, remember, I remember during the pandemic, a student asking me in class, hey, coach, was, were, was everything crappy when you were in high school, too? And, totally the same. <laughs> and uh, it, it really made me think. And I actually went to the board and I started listening to some of the world events and different things that were happening. And another kid raised his hand and said, oh, so you guys had war, crime, disease, <laughs> yep. political strife. Yep. You had all these things too. I was like, oh, yeah, but we were more worried about our hair and our cars and our music. Right. And, and I think kids these days are actually more worried about the same things. We just think that they should be like perspective is such a weird thing. And it's so easy to lose sight. It, back to nerdy developmental psychology, stuff like that, there's a concept called egocentrism. Okay, timer, timer. <laughs> anyway, no, go for it. I, uh, no I'll, be, I'll try to be as brief as I can, but this idea of egocentrism is that we, we see the world from our perspective and it's a challenge to see it from anybody else's perspective. And the younger kids, the, they, they have like blocks, they haven't developed cognitively to the point where they can actually do that. But as adults, we still have leftovers of that. And it's real easy for us to see our point of view, but it's challenging to see somebody else's point of view. And it's very true with our kids because we think we've been where they are. We have the same issues, the crime, the war, all those things. We're all going through the same thing, but there's been some shifts in the way that they get to process it. 
Social media has been a complete game changer. The internet, total game changer. The availability of all this information. They can have in milliseconds what it took us a few hours to find in a set of encyclopedias if you had them in your house. And if you didn't, you had to go to the library and do all that research. And so there's, there's been some changes that make it hard. And if we don't acknowledge what they're going through and try to see exactly what they're seeing, we will miss the boat as parents. And we'll be stuck in the 13th fairway getting yelled at by our kids. Why aren't you proud of me? Yeah, I want to I want to bring a little screen out onto the 13th fairway uh-huh. and play Jim Mora's press conference from years ago. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about when he said uh, the playoffs? No, one? Not the, no, not the playoffs one. Although that that is that hilarious. one's iconic. Hilarious. There's another one where he points at the reporter and says, "You think you know, but you don't." No. Yes. That, so, is that, there, so is there a lot of that here? Yeah. Because it's not that parents don't know any. We don't well, know we, anything. We know. It's almost the curse of knowledge. Like we've been down that road and we know. And the fact that we know makes it hard for us to realize that other people don't know. I call this the I know, I know curse. Yeah, I know. It happens in coaching. <laughs> <laughs> you say it to me all the time when I, I say, say I know. I know, and uh, you, you hear it from players all the time. You yep. repeat a fundamental and they look at you. I, I know, know, I know. I know. Well, if you know. Then why the, don't you do it? Yeah. Because we're not seeing it from their perspective because something for them was was off. They didn't see it the same way we saw it. And there's so much value in hopping into that when it comes to helping them manage stress. And that's the whole point of this conversation we're having is we want these, we want parents to be able to help their teens transform, transform stress. stress. Finish your thought. And we, we know how to transform stress a little bit better because we've been able to do it for ourselves. Right. But assuming that they're going to be able to do it the same way we did it, is a misstep on our part. So we have to hop inside their heads, see what they're seeing, and then help them figure out how to manage the stress from where they're at. Let's hop inside their head. Let's do it. That's a fun place. You have 30 seconds. Give me a list of stressors that teenagers have oh. nowadays. Um, the constant feeling that they're being watched. Like this is, be, this is above and beyond the normal, you know, feeling like you're the center of attention thing because social media has completely. You, yeah. Are you thrown, talking like the surveillance state? Like, well, that always, the whole we're thing was on like, camera. Right. We're always, Everything's it, on camera. Somebody's filming it. Somebody's posting it on social media and all your mistakes are there and they're not just there for a little while. They're there for good. So their stress of feeling that their mistakes are permanent is a lot more significant than we give it credit for. Like they live in a world where permanence, personalization, and pervasiveness are in their face all the time. Like we lived in the same world. Those three forces were still there for us, but the way that things have gone with social media and all this, like they feel like they're on display all the time. What access else? to grades, parents being able to access grades at all times is a huge stress for kids and no parent realizes it. Back when I was in school, my mom could only see my grades at midterm and at the end of the term, and it probably saved our relationship. I'm so because old, I, I had paper report cards. Right, I never did any homework and my mom didn't know it, but it helped us have a better relationship because she wasn't on my butt all the time to get stuff done. That creates so much stress for kids, having that constant checking in, constantly. Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do this? They have to deal with that and that puts so much stress and pressure on them and we miss it 
as parents, as teachers, we miss it. We forget that they have eight different classes that they're expected to do really, really well in. We put, you know, oh, yeah, they just, there's an avalanche of stress these teens are under and we don't even come close to trying to understand it. Those are two really big ones. Do you have any others? The social stuff, they feel like they have to be, you know, have the girlfriend right now. Dis- thanks, Disney Channel. Teaching all our middle school kids that they have to have, <laughs> yes, I'm taking shots at Disney for that. It's one of the most horrific things that have ever happened to our teens is they watch all these shows where all these teens have these great complex relationships and we're forcing them to deal with big kid issues when they're in middle school. Such a tragic flaw, but that's the world that these kids live in is they feel that they have to have all these relationships right now. They have to have their careers planned out. And these are real stresses for them. They feel all of these things. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Can you give us a little more of the iceberg? (laughs) Um, Dip into the water. Being the best that they can in in their their performance. Like we talk a lot about performers and athletes. We want to win. And we want to win. And they want to win. And they feel like they have to win in order to be successful. Again, Disney with ESPN, all we put on there is the top 10. And the kids want to be the top 10. And if you're not the top 10, you're in the bottom 10 or the not so top 10. And that's another stress for them is why they're scared to make mistakes. We have a lot of cultural things that we put off on our kids that really, really up their stress. What can we leave our parents with uh, as far as some questions? Um, to... I, one of the ones that I, I would love to see parents do more is ask themselves, what are the experiences that I need to allow my kids to have without me f- creating them, forcing these experiences to happen, just letting them fail, letting them try something new and just stepping back and, and not even processing it for them. Maybe ask a couple of questions just as in passing, but just let them have an experience. That's one thing I think would help a lot. One of the experiences that that you need to allow your kids to have in order to learn and grow. Very good. I, I think of a simple question like, what is it like to be you? Yeah. That's a powerful one. What, what is it like to be you and, and your friends? And then right shut now? up and listen to their answer. And then shut up. <laughs> hey, a little plug for the QOC tool. Yeah. Check that's, out that's the QOC. That's a big part of why question, we created that. Question only conversation. Do you have another question? Uh, similar to that one, but just asking them, like, what, what's it like to go through an, an ordinary day? What's, what's the ordinary day like for you? Because it's back to the assumption. Mm-hmm. We probably have a, an assumption that's not exactly aligned with reality as to what's, what they're going How through How much they day. actually hate having to wake up early in the morning and go to school. By the way, I'm going to use this as a chance to plug it. <laughs> Parents, please reach out to every school board member you can get your hands on and invite them to make an educated review of the research supporting later start times for high school students. Thank you. Plug over. I was blown away when I started teaching and found out that the first class began at 7.30 a.m. Oh, my gosh. And, but what's it like in an ordinary day for your kid? And we don't realize how much that sucks for them unless we ask them and let them really share how they, they feel about that. You know what didn't suck? <laughs> Me going to high school and starting the school day at 8.50. There you go. That was a lot better. That was way better. My first three years as a teacher, I got to start at 9 a.m. Made a huge difference in the whole student body. But we can't do that in all our schools because we don't pay attention to good research. Anyway, I get, hey, I, got a lo- I get a lot heated about that topic. <laughs> this might heat you up too because I have a, this isn't a question, but this is a statement that a teen athlete or performer 
I don't think I ever said this, but I, I've heard <laughs> it, and there's a lot of jokes out there about it. What if a, what, uh, your teen comes home and says, my coach hates me? Oh, wow. That's, that's a tough one because they're, they're giving you a bit of their perspective, and that's how they're seeing things. And going back to our topic, how do we help them manage their stress, or not manage, transform their stress? How do we help them transform their stress? We do it by asking questions. The biggest mistake we make when we say, or when they say that their teacher or their coach hates them is we assume they're right. We start validating that instead of validating their perspective. And, and it's simply a question, what makes you say that? And then don't be afraid to kind of question that a little bit and say, or ask them is to this, see it from the coach's is, perspective. Is this really true? Yeah, is that really true? And do you have, do you have evidence of what is And they're going to have evidence. They're going to give you evidence, but is that the right way to see it? Now you start to fuse the things. Like last time we talked about modeling transforming stress. This is your golden opportunity as a parent to model that. You're showing them through how you're transforming the situation and helping them learn how to transform the situation for themselves, shifting their perspective. Because a lot of transforming stress is shifting perspective. We transform our stress as parents by shifting our perspective to see things how our kids do. We help our kids to transform their stress by helping them shift their perspective and see something the way somebody else would do it powerful, powerful tool for transforming stress is the shifting of perspective. Where will we go in the last episode of the Transforming Uh, Your Stress series? One of the most stressful experiences for all of us in our lives, adults, kids alike, is when we feel like we have to go after somebody else's definition of success. We don't control that. When we don't control what success looks like, it's really hard. Parents, you want to stress your kids out, give them a moving target where they don't know what success even looks like or the definition changes on a regular basis. That causes so much stress. And transforming stress for your kids helps, it means we have to help them create their definition of success that's clear and compelling for them. And that's where we're going in the next episode. I love it. I, I do look, too. I look forward to it. It's gonna be a blast. Us, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Create, transform, become all, all one, one word. word. See ya. On behalf of Steve Galley, I'm Nate Crandall, and we thank you, our loyal listeners, for tuning in to this episode. If you love what you're learning from the Stop Parenting and Start Coaching podcast, we would appreciate it very much if you would leave us a five-star review and some glowing comments. We also encourage you to share this episode with your friends and family who are parents of athletes and performers. And if you want to explore further and see what Steve and I are creating to help thousands of parents, athletes, and performers, please visit our company's website at createtransformbecome.com. That's createtransformbecome, all one word, .com. There you'll find a growing number of resources to help you elevate your performance. Thank you again for your support, and we encourage you to create a magical relationship with your athlete and performer.